What's going on, everybody? This is Tanisha Peoples on The People's Voice. Live and in color as always, and it's always black. So today we got two of the dopest women in the country, two dope black women in the country, two sisters that I work with in this in this, this struggle, in this education movement. We got Miss Lakeisha Young and also Miss Nakima Levy Pounds, y'all. Man, I, I'm just, I, words can't describe how excited I am to A, again, be in this work with y'all and to have this conversation because we about to get into it and have this real talk. So I'm going to kick the conversation off with just hitting um, Lakeisha, telling us a little bit about the work you're doing in Oakland. So thank you for having me, Tanisha, on your show. I'm very honored to do this podcast, um, be a guest on your podcast. So yes, I am Oaktown, right? Oakland, California. What we're doing out here is 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 no different than first, let's just say the problems we got going on out here is mm-hmm. no different than so many problems we have in black and brown communities across Oakland. I do think where the Oakland Reach is. And that's the organization I, I lead, OaklandReach.org. But I, what I, what I, what's different here and what's important what we're doing here is we started a movement, right? And mm-hmm. parents and grandparents in the communities that have been left behind who have like not had a voice, right? Um, are now, we're now organized and mobilized and really just the system to make sure our voices heard. And Mm -hmm. so I've been leading this work for about four years and we've done, we've been able to do some amazing things. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful thing when people come together, right. Right. Um, For, and, and, and come together around passion. Like it really stems from the fact that like nobody love a child like they mama. Right. Right. And so I wake up every day with a fire in my belly, just around like my kids, I have three kids. 17, 14, and um, not in 10. Sorry, my, my nine-year-old just turned 10 a week ago. And um, I need to make sure my boys don't, are not on the pipeline to prison, right? That's mm-hmm. the only thing. And so that really drives how I, what kind of passion I bring to this work. And then we just bring that, we bring that organizing, that grassroots organizing um, to really shift the system. So, you know, we had a big legislative win like last March, which was mm-hmm. the ticket, you know, you'll let me know if you want to know about that. And then we just launched this huge campaign, citywide campaign, you know, literacy for all, because in Oakland, just like other cities, you know, less than 30% of black and brown kids is reading on grade level and mm. third grade reading scores and they start counting prison bunks. Right. Right. So right. We cannot let that happen. And no one, like I said, is more motivated to not make that happen than the parents and grandma, grandparents. Right, right. Okay. Don't work, don't work. So we're going we to get back into that. I want to give Nakima a chance to tell us a little bit about what she's doing in Minneapolis and really, you know, sparking a movement nationally because you've been out, you've been out in the work for a minute. So tell us a little bit about the work that you've done, you're doing and the work that you've done um, in the past couple of years. All right. So let me first say, I'm just honored to be on this awesome podcast with Tanisha and Lakeisha, two incredible black women holding it down for our community. And I'm proud to join y'all. 
Yes, as freedom fighters. So, um, so I actually just let me clear this up. My last name used to be Levy Pounds. Now it's Levy Armstrong. So I got remarried. Um, but uh, so I'm a civil rights attorney here in Minnesota. I'm also the executive director of the Wayfinder Foundation. And our focus is on uh, empowering and supporting black and brown women who are activists and organizers in the community. And a number of the women who are a part of our fellowship program focus on education. They focus on mobilizing parents to become strong advocates for their kids. Part of my work as an advocate for education justice has been um, representing parents and students at times within the public school system. Uh, For example, if a child has been suspended for an unjust reason, or if a child's IEP is not up to par, um, I've undertaken representation and also trained law students to go to those meetings and hearings and advocate on behalf of parents and students, and we've been able to see an impact. We've also challenged uh, Minneapolis public schools uh, across a variety of issues, one including racist curriculum that we fought to have removed uh, from the public school system. Um, we, there was a slave game that um, some of the, school, the teachers were using, and we pushed to, of course, get the slave game uh, removed from schools. We pushed for policy changes and in, as well as an end to the school to prison pipeline. And, and I've also um, written and spoken consistently about the crisis in public education and the need for us to shift the paradigm. Um, finally, I am a co-counsel on a case called Cruz Guzman, which is a state education case that challenges the notion of whether the state of Minnesota is meeting its constitutional mandate to provide an adequate education for children, particularly children of color. And I am co-counsel for three charter schools, um, two of which serve primarily students of color. I'm also a mom. Uh, I have four children. My oldest is 22 and my youngest is two. So this is very real for me. And I'm in this fight uh, because I care about our people and I care about our babies. I, amen. You know what? I was while you were talking, I was thinking I'm like, I put a I tweeted the other day, like, I wonder how many or it was like right now there's a white teacher in America who thinks it's okay to teach our kids black history by having them reenact some kind of like, you know, slave auction or something like that. And it's just it's crazy when you think about the stuff that we have to fight for in this field, just down to the smallest details that, you know, not only are you an inadequate teacher, but you're an ignorant teacher because you know nothing about our history and they think this is okay. You know, so that's just something that I want to highlight. Like it's, it's so much to fight for. And, you know, when I think about this work overall, like you all have, you, both of you have an extensive resume you know, an extensive impact and action resume. And then I think about, you know, years ago when I got into organizing work, it wasn't something that was like well and wide known. And so now it's like this activism thing has become sexy, you know, because of certain movements. And it's like, and I kind of want y'all opinion on this and, you know, really digging deep into what activism is, because again, would it be, would it looking like sexy now with all these images on social media and stuff like that? People don't know the in-depth fight 
or the, you know, the deep fight, the deep action and deep commitment that it takes to actually change things. And so what what are your recommendations or what conversations would you would y'all have with young activists that want to do the work, particularly in education? Because I think that education itself is something that we're not talking about enough in our communities, how it's really failing black and brown kids. And so what conversations are y'all having to really get people engaged in the fighting and in the movement and say, hey, it's deeper than, you know, just putting something, you know, a statement up on social media or putting a dope picture up like we got to actually build. What are y'all saying to these younger people or older people who, you know, don't know what's going on? So I think a big part of it has to do with letting young folks and folks who um, are, you know, my age, you know, I'm in my early 40s, um, know and understand is that history is repeating itself in terms of African-American children being miseducated through the system and being denied access to not just an adequate education, but the high quality education that they deserve. We know that Black brilliance is not recognized within the public school system And we also know that anti-Blackness is pervasive. And so part of it is helping people understand like this fight for education justice is a continuation of the fight for freedom, justice, and equality that has been going on since our ancestors were forced to come to this country in the first place. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the fact that, you know, on slave plantations, as we all know, um, our people were denied access to being able to learn how to read, access to being able to learn how to write and do math. All of that has been intentional. And now systems are being used to perpetuate that same denial of our uh, academic progress, because that means we're competition, right, to the majority. Right. So I think it's figuring out how to craft the message in a way that relates to people. And it's also helping people understand that we cannot just continue to entrust our, our, our students, our children, over to the public education system and expect the public education system to have their best interests in mind. We all know it's not a child-focused uh, system, it's an adult-focused system. So most of the decisions that the powers that be are making have to do with job security, have to do with what's in the best interest of the adults who work in schools, and they're less focused on what our children need, as well as being attentive to the fact that they are brilliant and they deserve a a high quality education. So that's Mm -hmm. one of the things I've been trying to do, just communicate with people. We also um, have formed a group several years ago with uh, Chris Stewart, Latasha Gandy, um, and a couple of other um, activists here um, called Bay Black Advocates for Education. And mm. through Bay, we use Bay on purpose, you know, to get our people's <laughs> attention. Right. And, and we basically were like a radical education group um, that was really bold in terms of how we communicated uh, online and also showing up at um, school board meetings. So I remember one time we got some young people involved in um, protesting some bogus contracts that were being handed out through the district. And we were Mm -hmm. trying to get the districts to stop, you know, investing in things that aren't producing results for our kids. Mm -hmm. And we got a young person to dress up as Kermit the Frog with a prison uniform on. And he held a sign, you know, and the hashtag was, but that's none of my business. Wow. Our community would relate to that. And he actually showed up with me 
at a school board meeting in costume, holding up a protest sign. And our community just had the biggest laugh about what was going on um, and understanding like this pertains to you. We can Mm -hmm. get messages that relate to our community and get people involved. So that was powerful. Yeah. Now, just real quick, Lakeisha, I'm coming to you in, in a second. Just real quick. So it's Bay kind of, was that imagined in the, in Bayo or it's just, it's something completely different? Because you know, it's no, that's just like, a, okay, an acronym. Right. No, Bay yeah. was just like, you know, how you call somebody your Bay. So right. <laughs> let's find a name that, you know, because we're like, there's not many groups out there that are centered around black culture in terms of a name. That's just mm-hmm. like something fun, something that represents our culture. So we're like, what's up with Bay? Let's be Bay. Right, right. What's up with Bay? <laughs> I love <Yeah>. it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Lakeisha, real quick, because, you know, I mean, I just, I was just in Cali last week as an escape. You know, the Midwest during the, during the winter months is something pretty dreadful. You know, so we come to sunny California and that's that's what we see. And that's what the world sees is California is this, you know, this escape and this place is always sunny and, you know, no, no problems. But talk to people about what y'all are experiencing, you know, particularly in Oakland, because we're seeing a lot of push out of black and brown communities because of, you know, gentrification and things like that. How is that affecting the narrative or the the perceived narrative of everything sunny in California? No, I said I wanted to kind of piggyback off of um, that question that you asked Nakima and just sort of like what we tell um, folks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think I can even say it to the point of like, what do we tell parents, right? Who we are looking to empower to be that squeaky wheel that mm-hmm. makes the change, right, for their own community. So one thing I'll say, and I, I think the, the visual I have of this is we got taught in school that um, we see movements and change as this sort of provocative, shocking thing that then ripples through a nation. And I think it gives us a false sense of how much grind and hard work it really takes, right? Right to organize people and educate people and get folks to show up. And so I always, um, we teach this class, we, we, we host a, a family advocacy fellowship and we have had about 400 parents go through that fellowship. And one of the um, classes we teach as part of that fellowship is called history of social change movement. Mm-hmm. And we talk about the Montgomery bus boycott. And for over 90% of our fa- families, that's the first time they've ever learned that Rosa Parks didn't just get upset one day and decide right. to give up her seat. They right. didn't know just how much of like an organized collective action that was and how prepared they were to do what they needed to do after she refused to give up her seat. And so I always use that example when I'm talking to folks about, you know, how did you guys do the opportunity ticket? I'm like, it took us almost three years to get to the opportunity ticket because you have to build your work. You have to build, we have to build the team. You have to build the base. You know, you get, you get sidetracked, external events happen. You got to duck, you got to dive, but it's sort of like, I like, I wanted to really respond to that question, Tanisha, because I thought it was, I think it's an important question. I mm-hmm. think for us, I will say that, like, this is the conversation we have with our parents around this takes work. It is a long game, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. 
anything worth like these 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 movements in history did not just happen, you know, as this kind of I think we're looking for a quick fix sometimes. Right. right because I think right. history has shown us that. And then it's really about helping to educate um, our families around like this is a steady course. This is a steady, organized course where we where we campaign, where we do outreach and all of that to get to a win. So I just wanted to speak on that. I just wanted to add to that. And I, I think that's like that's that's a that's something that we need to address is really pivotal because um trying to balance the the trust that we as black and brown communities have with you know, different systems and the government overall, like, you know, just to drop that nugget with the recent release of, you know, the Progressive Cities campaign report in which we found that, you know, Progressive Cities weren't closing the gaps as well as conservative cities. And then, you know, historically, we've been like, oh, we got to vote Democrat and Democrats are, you know, I guess linked to progressivism, you know, and so, but it's like this, these systems are failing us, are so-called leadership is failing us. And so, you know, it, it goes back to this conversation in which we have to be our own educators, our own scholars to really disseminate the information that's key for us to, to sustain as, you know, successful communities. And if we don't do that, then we'll keep on on this track of, you know, just believing and trusting in these systems and this leadership that's really leading us nowhere. You know, so I, I'm, I'm glad that we've come to to have this conversation or we've arrived at this point because I think that Lakeisha, as you said, teaching people that these things aren't just happening. Like people didn't just meet up and say, let's do something. Like it's, it's taking a lot of blood, sweat, tears, planning. Like this is a long game. So I'm, I'm glad yeah. you brought that up. Yeah. Nakima, did you want to jump in? I agree with y'all. I mean, it definitely is a long game. And I also think that that underscores the importance of us being proactive and not mm-hmm. silent, right? Because so often these education conversations happen about us without us. Mm-hmm. And we are Black women, we are Black mothers, Black aunties, Black sisters who understand how a lot of these systems work. And so we need to ask ourselves why are the people who are claiming that they care about education, justice, and equity don't want us at their tables? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, this kind of platform, like the one Tanisha created, and the work that Lakeisha's doing in Oakland shows, like, look, they don't want us at our tables. First of all, let's build some new tables. Right. Um, and speak our own truth from our own perspective and put forward our own frameworks and paradigms that our communities can relate to so that they understand that they have a role to play in fighting for our freedom within the education system. Like I I think uh, Chris Stewart um, uses this terminology, which I love uh, calling himself an education abolitionist. Mm -hmm. And that really resonates with me um, as opposed to calling myself a reformer, for example, I'm like, we got to, set our children free from the ways in which these systems have tried to limit their potential um, and the ways in which their intelligence levels are measured that does not take into account the cultural context for who we are and our creativity and our brilliance and how that shines through. 
And can so, I can I just ask you a question real quick? Yeah. You know, related to the reform of peace, like how do we reform a system or systems that that were built in oppression and built in racism? How do you reform that? You know, when people have these conversations, I think you know the reform piece has or reformer has become closely associated with the education reform and the school choice with movements, which are you know almost deaf to black and brown, or you know they just become tainted especially with Betsy DeVos and, you know, as the, our, our leader in education in the country. And so, you know, when we talk about reforming, it's almost like how do we reform a system that wasn't built for us in the first place? You know, so I think that that abolitionist piece is key. So I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> just thinking out and, I, and I would agree. I would agree with that, too. You can't reform it. Um, mm-hmm. You can't reform it. You got to dismantle it. And I would mm-hmm. also I would also challenge that sometimes this notion of reform, and you see this a lot in progressive cities. Well, I can't say in a lot of other, but in Oakland, what I see is that like, reform wasn't really ready for what we're dealing with right now, mm-hmm. right? Reform was about creating other options and pathways outside of the traditional system. You get what I'm saying? That's what we've seen a lot of. And... Mm-hmm what we really have to do is fight, right? For our kids. Right. And where reform has really, I feel like, gotten stalled has been around its ability to really pick up advocacy and go straight for the structures mm-hmm. that have been in place versus trying to build around them structures or outside of those structures, right? right. Um, and, and, and I think that's the difference about the work that we do. Like, we got too many families that's got to take their kids to school down the street, mm-hmm. right? They got to take their kids to school down the street. That school needs to be a good school. Right. Right. Everybody cannot create a new reality, right, for themselves around how they access education. Sometimes everybody got to go down the street. Mm-hmm. So our job is also to make sure that every seat that a child's sitting in is a quality seat. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I just I really want to push on that reform piece because it just wasn't really ready for kind of the the, the dogged fight that mm. you see. And that is definitely happening in Oakland. It's about sometimes creating around it and giving folks access around it. And we going straight through it, because, like I said, Tanika got to drop her four kids off down the street. That school needs to be a good school. I Come on. Come on. And I think it's just to pick up on what Lakeisha's saying, I think that it's a both-end situation. And part of why people were creating alternatives to the school down the street is because so often getting a bureaucracy to move feels impossible and Mm -hmm. takes very, very long because of all the layers of resistance that stand in the way of progress. And so instead of waiting, you know, for change to happen, you know, people intentionally created those opportunities. At times I've taken advantage of those. At times I've sent my kids to the schools down the street. I've also at times sent my children to private schools or parochial schools, all in search of the best possible education for them while continuing to go back and fight um, for equitable access to education for my neighborhood schools. You know, whether my children Mm -hmm. attend them or they don't, they still need to be high quality schools. Right. Um, So I think it's a both and I think we can't wait for the system to change itself, because as y'all know, 
With any system that's built on oppression and built on maintaining the status quo, they fight like hell to maintain that system. Mm-hmm. And they tire you out with all their structures and their processes and their bureaucracy um, and all the layers you have to go through just to get incremental change. Right. So I see right. it as a both end situation, continuing to fight, you know, for the long game, but also finding other creative ways to educate our babies in the meantime. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, I totally, yeah, I totally agree with you, Nakima. Um, you know, and just to, yeah, to add to that, it's like, I think that's why everything you just said is how we built the work at the Oakland Reach, right? Because it is like, you can't, it, it is an and, 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 right? So when we did the opportunity ticket, it was about the fact that we have too many schools, not enough kids in them. The district is talking about, you know, consolidating schools, maybe merging or closing. So we like, you know what? If that happens, you need to make sure that our families that are impacted get a priority or preference to a higher demand school, right, mm-hmm. in the system, right? And then while we add it, we're going to launch choice counseling so that we can educate our parents about actually choosing that they have the right and the agency to choose their schools, wherever they decide to go. Right. And then you thinking about then your whole other pool of families who are like, I get the school choice thing, but I don't have, I can't drive out of my neighborhood. Right. I don't have access to, to pick other schools. And so I think that's really how our literacy campaign came up because we were like, what about our families that stay in their communities? Right. Mm-hmm. And how do we make sure that those schools are good too? And so that's why like Nakeem, I agree with everything you said. And I do believe that like, when the parents are really leading it, we can actually put the solutions in place that really, really help our communities in a more nuanced way. Now, now let me let me ask this question because I, I wholeheartedly agree with you both, right? And so, as Nakima was saying that, I think I can't remember if it was um, Nakima or Lakeisha, but when when you was you guys were saying that they're going to throw everything in our way to maintain the status quo. And when we we look at that as the examples lately with, you know, parent groups like the Memphis Lift, like the Oakland Reach, like Nashville Propel, like Atlanta Thrive, like, you know, um, the National Parents Union who have been, you know, going around the country combating our presidential candidates, you know, on their stances on school choice and people want to tell them, oh, y'all bought, you know, these billionaire funders funding these groups to, you know, push back and things like that. Like that's an obstacle. And so talk about as as black women and this going out to Nisha with the last thing. Oh, went out. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so talk about those how those those instances can be discouraging because it seems like as you said with them trying to throw a wrench in all of our plans towards our actions towards education liberation they're always you know pushing back at every at every turn and so at some point you know with as communities with limited resources and having to be parents and aunties and have full-time jobs outside of the advocacy that we do you know how it becomes discouraging and ultimately sometimes in some cases physically and emotionally and spiritually draining to the point that we can't even do the work anymore so how do we balance how do we keep going when we have so many forces against us I would say for me, uh, one of the main ways that I keep going is to remember the things that our ancestors went through, right? Mm-hmm. The fact that they were tired, 
They were experiencing extreme oppression um, at times, of course, brutality, physical abuse. Lord have mercy, you name it in terms of what they went through, but they persevered somehow. So I try to draw strength from what they went through. And I also, on a personal note, just try to rest when I need to rest. Because sometimes you want to give up, but really at the end of the day, you just need some rest. You might be fatigued, you know, from a battle and not taking care of yourself. It doesn't mean you're not on the right track. It just means you're exhausted. Mm-hmm. And so I try to distinguish the difference between the two when I need to let go of something versus when I just need to take time and rest and regroup and come back stronger. Um, I think that anyone involved in this fight, again, has to understand that this is a part of the legacy of uh, oppression and discrimination that our people have experienced in this country. And we definitely should not assume that the public education system has our best, our children's best interests in mind. It never has. Mm-hmm. Um, even when you look at Brown versus the Board of Education, I mean, what did the court say with all deliberate speed um, in uh, Brown versus Board of Education too, in terms of making some of the changes? And we've never fully seen the benefits that they were advocating for. And the folks who fought for integrated schools through Brown had some second thoughts, you know, at the end of the day when they saw the outcome of the things that they were pushing for. So um, one of the things that happens when we have this conversation about black liberation is that people get upset when we talk about nothing being wrong with all black schools Mm -hmm. Um, and how integration does not serve us as well as some people might think because our kids could go to a so-called integrated school, at least in terms of the numbers, and still be dealing with white supremacy and anti-blackness from the teaching core all the way down to the curriculum, all the way down to which parents they cater to. Mm -hmm. So we have to begin to carve out ways in which we expect our children to be educated. And sometimes that does mean creating our own schools uh, from a framework that has our children's best interests in mind um, and wanting them to thrive and to be successful. But the system is is going to stand in your way. They're going to create false narratives like the one that Tanisha was talking about, was saying, you know, talking about billionaires and all that. At the end of the day, a mom in the community is not worried about all that. She's worried about mm-hmm. education justice for her kids. And those folks who make those false arguments are really trying to protect the system that they benefit from, not trying to protect our babies. You better preach. You better come on with this church. <laughs> you better come it. on with this church. Come on, come I on, Lakeisha. It. Come on with the come on with the um come on with it. I got lost. I'm trying to get found. I was lost <laughs> in the Kima words. I was like, just sitting here. Akima, I just like co-sign on everything you said. And I'm but the only little small tidbit I add, because I'm gonna go back to what you were saying, just like how you keep going. It is exactly what Nakima said. It's like, I remember that, like, this is not hard. This is nowhere near as hard as our ancestors had to deal with. Mm -hmm. If I can't deal with this, I shouldn't be doing this, right? So I have to really, really remember that. And I think we do a lot to really educate our parents around it. I think building community around this fight is huge, too. Whether it's like 
what we're doing at the local levels with organizing our families or even just being on podcasts like these or coming mm-hmm. together. We got to kind of insert a lot of love because I'm like, I know Nakima now. I'm about to reach out to her. Right. And see right. if we can continue to check in with each other along the way, because we are out here fighting and you can feel really lonely. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So you created a space to kind of bring us together. And 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 these even these podcasts are important to kind of keep us recharged and rejuvenated. And then sometimes this is about going to bed before 10 o'clock. Right. Like getting some sleep and taking bubble baths in the morning and like taking the day off. So, you know, there's all those pieces. But I I definitely want to stress these two about like. Every time I think I want to give up, I remember that, like, my fight is nowhere near as hard as the folks I came from. Right. Right. And I'm and I'm privileged to do this work. And then the second part is like being able to do this work with other people in community is what really, really helps keep keep me going. Right. Right. And and two, just thinking about, you know, what our ancestors sacrificed for us to be here to enjoy, mm-hmm. you know, what they fought for and to continue to fight. Because, um, you know, sometimes I don't know what people think that, you know, the dream was realized when, when Malcolm made his speech, not Malcolm, I'm sorry, but when, when Dr. King made his speech, but, you know, we still got a lot of fighting to do, you know, and a lot of the racism and the bias and the oppression is when, again, it's, it's gone underground. It's, it's systematic, you know, and so... It, it didn't end with the civil rights. Like we still got to fight. And, and so a question that I have for you two is how do we grow these spaces of learning and grow these, these safe spaces in which, you know, we don't feel lonely. We can keep these conversations going, but we also continue to empower our community so that it won't just be, you know, um, limited to, the fight in Oakland or the fight in Minneapolis or the fight in Chicago, we now have a national and a worldwide fight. What do we need to do to uplift and support and empower our communities on a grander scale? I think that it takes um, intentionality so that, you know, we create a vision for what we're trying to accomplish, how we're trying to create space at the table, what the resources are that we need, and then just be strategic about trying to get those things in place. And sometimes it's also understanding that you might not have 200 people with you. You might have five people with you. But how Uh can those five people be built up where they're strong enough to have that tenacity where they refuse to take no for an answer? How can those five people be built up where they're willing to speak truth to power and make the sacrifices? How can those five people be built up where if the school board isn't listening, if the superintendent isn't listening, if you sit at the negotiating table long enough, you might take those five people and decide to disrupt something and shut it down. Right. Like if we can't get our voices heard, you're not going to get no business done. Right. And you can sometimes mm-hmm. accomplish more with five people sold out and on fire for the cause of education justice than 200 people that's lukewarm. Mm-hmm. So I just pray and persevere and just try to see God who around me whether it is right here in this vicinity in the Twin Cities or y'all uh, powerful black women across the nation is willing to stand up for what we believe in and to persevere until we see something happen. Um, so I think that that has to be a part of the strategy. And then it's also just utilizing basic tools like social media. You know, we're all on Twitter. 
Um, I'm on Facebook, a lot of folks on Instagram, and we're just continuing to bring in other soldiers through education. And sometimes they look like us and sometimes they're allies who never had to worry about the quality of education for their children, but they care about humanity. And so some of those people we can enlist to come in and use their privilege and stand up and fight. So that to me has to be a part of what we do. Um, Knowing again, what we're up against, this is a system that we've inherited and we have a long way to go until it looks anything like um, an equitable system. Yeah. And Nakeem, I just want to say your, um, your Facebook page, your friend request a maxed out because I tried to add you and I couldn't even get on. So you need a, um, I'm going to delete need a, somebody you need a public that I page. Not and <laughs> I definitely will too. add you because if there are people <laughs> who are not commenting, they're not about justice. They just looky lose. Go find another mm-hmm. page. I don't have yeah. time. I'm looking for <laughs> people who actually care to be my Facebook friends because we be activating Making right. calls, showing up, you know, connecting. So I'll definitely make room um, for you to be my Facebook friend. That would be an honor. I would love I'm to. I'm coming behind her too, Tanisha. Right. I'm coming behind her too. <laughs> On the Kima number two page, but yeah, yeah, because you know that <laughs> that's that friendly. I got both. That's one way of being intentional, right? Like that's one way of being intentional. What if we had a Black Women's Education Facebook group mm-hmm. where we get in there? Mm. You know, we we share this podcast recording. Um, we maybe we gather around the nation and we talk about what we want for our babies and what are we willing to do to get what we want for our babies? You know, so those are the kind of organizing things that we can do. Maybe we show up and do a march on Washington. Maybe we show up and go to Oakland and help disrupt something. I mean, you know, the sky is the limit in terms of what we do and how we do it. I'm about to create that that Black Women's Education Facebook page right now. Yeah. Right? Okay. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> right now, so we can go about. ahead and get started. <laughs> Absolutely. Y'all, y'all, hey, and, and book them plane tickets to Oakland because, oh, yeah. you know, like folks is acting up out here. We need we need our riders, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, we can I'm definitely ride down. We can definitely ride down to ride over. We really can. And, like, there's... <laughs> There's there's no way to describe like when a black woman is on fire about an issue or something we care about. Can't nobody stop us. Can't nobody mm-hmm. shut our mouth. So Can't nobody sit us down. <laughs> so we need to bring that same energy into this fight for right. education justice, period. And ain't no stereotypes about being an angry, angry black woman going to stop us either. No, please. <laughs> Exactly. Like, please call me angry. Please call right. me angry. And right. we and we are angry. We <laughs> are angry because exactly. they're not treating our Nobody kids right. Me. You damn right. We are angry because y'all not treating our kids right. So yes, Thank I'll you. take. <laughs> I'll take that. I will take that. I will take it. Yep. I love it. Our humanity, right? And it's like right. we know what we up against. We have every right to be angry. We have every right to have rage at what they're doing. Absolutely. Because of what they're doing. But that should not silence us. We don't stereotype them when they're sitting back being complacent and being complacent with the system of white supremacy. No, I do stereotype them. Never mind. But the point (laughs) is, the point is we have every... I was like, I do, so... Yeah, like how come we don't have black men and women in the classroom? Why are they behavioral interventionists, right? Mm. Many of our school systems or parents helping white teachers understand, not even understand, helping them manage a classroom if they're not capable of doing it, knowing that that white teacher is going to get a higher salary, going to have benefits, 
going to get tenure, going to be more protected by the system. And our people are just being used for their labor and their knowledge of our culture, but being undervalued. That's right. not right. Hooey. We fired up on a Friday. Mm-hmm. We are fired up. We are fired up. And it's Valentine's Day too. Yep. Hey, this is this that love. This is that, that love that we need to spread the conversation. We spread love and we spread knowledge. That's yeah. that's what we're supposed to do. Um, let's Lakeisha, what's what's your comments? We about to close we gonna close out in a minute, but what are your what are your what's your response to how do we build more spaces of self-love and empowerment so that we can grow if it, not even if a move not a if, if it's not a movement, we at least grow the education and spark the fire within our communities to say, hey, this stuff isn't right and we need to do something about it. Yeah, I mean, it's everything Nikima said, right? And I just think it is it is what we do. I mean, you know, in Oakland at eight o'clock in the morning, we're standing out in front of the lowest performing schools talking to parents as they drop their kids off, right? <laughs> talking to them, educating them, letting them know your school, only 15% of the kids is reading on grade level, right? Right. Um, You you know, you do that with about 4,000 parents and 99% of them don't even know, right? That they're attending the low performing school. So this like education and kind of shaking us up as a community, right? And kind of taking us out of this coma of complacency around our situation, is key, right? And and right. It, it is key. So I, I will only add that piece, but I feel like everything that Kima said around like, and then being able to like know what's going on in other cities and be, go to these other cities and support. And like you say, disrupt, right? That's what keeps you recognizing and realizing that this is a, this is a real, real fight. And this is not just a fight that's happening in our backyard. It's a fight that's happening all over this country. So I love all the stuff about like the Facebook and, you know, coming to each other's cities and supporting. We've done that. And I just wanted to add that piece around like on a on a Tuesday, we are on the ground in our communities helping our parents understand we have been hoodwinked and bamboozled. Okay. And we need you to get into this fight. Um, And our parents are shocked and you got to start with the problem Mm because most folks, like I said, we're just in this coma around this system. That's just been kind of cogwheeling us. Right. Like we just, we just moving. So, I mean, that's what we do on a daily basis to to spread it in Oakland. Mm -hmm. We've been conditioned. Yes. Oh man, I, you know what? Normally, because part of my self care technique or you know practice is to is to wind down on Fridays and over the weekends just try to forget everything that's going on. But as I said a few minutes ago, y'all got me fired up. Y'all got me fired up. And if anybody's listening to this conversation and not fired up, I don't know. You better check your post because that means you might be a little dead on the inside. But <laughs> that's real. <laughs> but I just, I just want to thank, I, I want to thank y'all so much um, for for being inspirations to me. You know, for being an inspiration to me because I really do. Um, 
as as Lakeisha said earlier, this this work is lonely. Um, and when you need to look to people to say that, you know, to understand that you're not by yourself and to know that you have a support network and system and you, you have sisters and brothers with you, that means so much. And that's what you all mean to me. So I just want to thank y'all for being a part of this fight and being part of this conversation and really, you know, pushing for solutions. Um, I, I love y'all. I really do. Um, normally, I'm, I'm closing with something kind of, you know, snarky, but I, that's all I got. I'm just on Valentine's Day. I'm full of love for y'all. So um, I love y'all. I love the other women, the other black women, the other brown women doing this work. And I just thank y'all so much. Um, so if y'all have anything that y'all want to say to close out, feel free to do so. I just echo that. I love y'all too. I'm just proud of y'all. I'm thankful for your commitment to this work, for your commitment to our children and our community. I'm inspired by that. And I really hope that we can build this online community that we talked about Mm -hmm. and also let's have a gathering of uh, Mm -hmm. black women for education, freedom, justice, whatever y'all want to call it. Let's pick a spot and let's call the sisters and pull forward an agenda and make it happen. I'm on it. I'm on it. (laughs) I'm ready. (laughs) <laughs> Lakeisha, you ready? I am I'm being ready. Yes. <laughs> being ready. And Tanisha, you know, we have this, we've been having a journey kind of really building together. And I just, I've loved the way over the past couple of weeks, with you doing the Ed Post article in this, that we've just been able to really kind of solidify sisterhood. So like, much love to you. And Akima, I'm looking you up and I'm, I'm about to be a girl fan. So, um, <laughs> I just hope to continue to stay connected to you. And I just, I feel blessed. I just really feel blessed that that this stuff is happening the way it needs to happen so that we can truly get our, our babies where we need to. So I I feel, I feel inspired and I feel we're going to be okay. I really do. Yes. Yes, 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 indeed. Well, thank y'all again. Um, this is y'all girl, Tanisha Peoples on the People's Voice, closing out on the beautiful and empowering Friday. Everybody keep your head up and stay tuned. I think we need a part two. So stay tuned for part two because it's coming with Lakeisha Young and Nakima Levy Armstrong. Levy Armstrong. Levy or Levy Armstrong? Levy. Levy Armstrong. Levy Armstrong. All right. I just want to get that right. All right. Thank y'all so much. Thank you. All right. Have a good Friday. All right, love y'all. Love you too. Bye.